Welcome back to another episode of the Scare Topless podcast. I am your co-host, Jessica. And Daniela. And the countdown to Halloween has officially begun. We're two weeks away. I'm so excited. I mean, I say to you guys all the time, this is my favorite time of year. And yeah, I'm like getting ready for my costume. I procrastinated. It's not ready because I always have multiple costume ideas. And then I don't pick one until like it's mid-October and now I'm like, fuck, like which one am I doing? And yeah, so that happened again. Um, I feel like I always procrastinate on my Halloween costume. There's never a year where I haven't procrastinated. And sometimes down to like the day before. And I have searched like DIY costumes uh, to do the day of, stuff like that. I've always been notorious. I always feel like you always plan, like, stuff they'll dress ahead. I try to, but I want to just have, like, one of those really cool costumes one year that's, like, it's so planned and it's so good. Mm-hmm. The last couple of Halloweens, I haven't had that, though. So, but yeah, um, it's almost it's almost time. So, I've been listening to a lot of spooky podcasts, spooky movies on that topic. This is our spooky episode, so... Without, like, further procrastination right now in this intro, <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about the terrors of the night, which might sound kind of vague to a lot of you, but we're going to get into it. So, okay, ever since a young age, many people have always been scared of the dark, monsters under your bed, the boogeyman coming to get you, like, in your in your closet, in your attic, like, this is, this is all familiar, right? So, like, everything always gets a little bit scarier when the lights are out. I don't know if, like, you guys, but I've always had a nightlight. I still have a nightlight. I still sleep with lights on. I don't care. And the thing is, it's ironic <laughs> because, like, we have a spooky podcast. And we also like to talk about, like, the scariest shit. And I always watch the scariest shit, and then I'm like, no, I still have lights on. I don't care. I'm sleeping. I will never, ever fall asleep, like, pitch black by myself, ever. Same. Literally same. And I still, it's funny because both of us have, we both sleep with, um, with, like, a, like, a a teddy bear or some shit. It's so funny because we talk about, like, fucking murder and paranormal and, and the smallest things will freak me out. Like, I literally see with a nightlight and have stuffed animals. No, literally, though, like... <laughs> what? Are you confused, Tyler? How old are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> We're, like, in our early 20s, still sleeping with teddy bears. Like Only hot girls like... sleep with teddy bears. Yes, literally. I love sleeping with teddy bears, and even in my personal, like, on my Twitch stream, my viewers clown me for it, but I'm like, don't you realize this is my protection against, like, the ghost and the monsters and the boogeyman and the demons that haunt me at night? This is the only thing that keeps me alive. Yeah. Is, like, my teddy bear. I hold on to that with, like, everything I have. Literally, I trust (laughs) my life into the hands of my teddy bear at night. But, like, I don't know, as a kid, too, I remember just being so scared. Like, when I would turn off the light in the basement, I would, like, turn it off really quickly and then run up the stairs because I would always feel that there was something oh my God. something behind me. I mean, obviously, there was nothing. Like, there was no one there. But there was always, like, I had this feeling of, like, 
that there was. Like, I felt like a presence. And I would no. run. Like, I would run so fast. <laughs> no, literally, though, that happened to me all the time. Or even in the hallways. Even now, when I get something to eat, I, like, turn on my flashlight before anything else. And I'm just, like, searching. And then, you know, when sometimes you, like, psych yourself out, like, you're just staring into the corner and you're, like, is something there? And you keep staring and staring until you scare yourself and then you, like, run away? Because I yeah. always do that, too. And yeah. I'm, like, is that a woman? <laughs> and then I'm, like, oh, You're, like, mind. starting to imagine things. Yeah. Literally, yeah. All the time. All the time. But I don't know if, you, like, maybe this isn't obvious. And I mean, by the title of the podcast, people will know, but... We're basically going to be talking about from, like, why are we so scared of the dark? Um, We're going to talk a little bit about sleep paralysis. We're going to be talking about some, like, childhood tales, like, monsters that kind of, like, we've been, we've all known since we were kids Mm -hmm. um, and that that, that would scare us. And so, yeah, we're just going to be talking about a bunch of, like, creepy things that happen at night. Um, Essentially terrors of the night exactly yes but what the fuck goes on after the sun goes down exactly i would like to yes i kind of want to start off talking about like i mentioned you know um like the monster hiding under your bed i feel like that was the biggest one for me was the boogeyman and i also remember like as a kid I would look under my bed before I went to sleep or like if I turned the lights off in my room when I would get into bed I would I wouldn't linger too long at the foot of my bed because I was like maybe like a hand will come out and grab my ankle like I jump into bed um, no yeah 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 so the boogeyman is a big one and I was kind of like okay like where did this come from and the word boogeyman is actually derived from I'm gonna like butcher some of this, but um, bogey, like B O G G E, which means hobgoblin in Middle English. And some say the legend originated in Scotland. Um, but there have been references to the boogeyman since the late 1500s. But some, like most people, believe that it existed long before then. So this is a pretty old tale, I guess, or like folklore. Um, if you want to call it. Yeah. And the story is different in different cultures. So in North America and Western Europe, people believe that the boogeyman is about a priest who basically became corrupt and he preyed on children and he would trick their parents into giving um, their children to him so that he can punish them. And obviously he'd do like, like terrible things to them. And when the parents found out, they... They, like, killed the priest. There was a couple different ways that are said that they killed the priest. Um, I think was one was that they, like, set him on fire. One was that they, um, like, locked him in the basement of the church in, like, a cell. And, and, like, he starved to death. So there's a couple different stories of how they did it. But that's the one version. And the thing that's interesting about the Boogeyman is no one actually knows what the boogeyman looks like like there's no defined appearance or or physical traits so when you see it in like pop culture you'll see the boogeyman looks like different like there's some there's obviously like similar things about the boogeyman but they can make the boogeyman just look so different because there's no actual like no one really knows what it looks like 
So, you know, yeah. it could be like a spirit wearing a cloak. Um, I find it but, always looks like um, really ugly. Yes. Like, you know, have you ever always watched really like that? Yeah, that Disney movie called like "Don't Look Under Their Bed" or something. Have you ever watched it? Yes. Like they always make the like the boogie person like really ugly. Boogie and person. Even, yeah, because like, okay, you know, in the movie, basically, it the main character's like boogie person or whatever was a woman, and then she always cracks them. She's like, "It's not a boogie man; it's a boogie person." Mm. In the show, well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but that was just for like the relevance of the movie. So I just okay. said boogie person, but yeah, why are we why are we misgendering the boogeyman? Why does it have to be a man? Why don't we say boogie person? Boogie person. Right, let's <laughs> let's edit this episode and we need to make sure when we publish this, boogie person, not the boogeyman, because we want to be fucking correct out here. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's funny. <laughs> But basically, it's just a formless personification of terror. Stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 appearance is set to take on the specific fear of the child. Um, yeah, so that's why we'll see it portrayed several different ways. But you know, it's always like it's a good way. You know, you'd want to teach like kids a lesson like it can be anywhere it can do anything you know it takes on your fears and like the more scared you are like the boogeyman feeds on that fear right and so if you're scared or if you're like too scared um you're more likely to be a victim of the boogeyman right so it's kind Mm -hmm. of you know you're giving him power so yeah it comes from like ancient ancient ways to keep kids well behaved but it's still like really creepy. It was one of the scariest things for me as a kid. Like that's the only one that I really remember was the boogeyman under my bed or in my closet. Those were the two. You know, I find that always in different like cultures, there's always like one ghost or one, you know, monster that like makes kids behave like, oh, make sure that, you know, you listen to me at night or, or whatever, or else, this person will come and snatch you in the night, you know? (laughs) Like, literally, like, that shit would be so scary. Like, I know in Panama, they do that a lot. Or at least what my grandma has mentioned, but... Yeah. Yeah, so, like, they want to keep kids in check, and their way to do that is literally just to scare the shit out of you. Oh, and so, tell yeah. And these just, fucking outrageous stories. Let's just implement uh, trauma onto yeah. our children. That'll, like, create fake scenarios. Yeah, that'll that'll help them in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but, okay, then that got me wondering, what is the correlation of monsters and the dark? Mm-hmm. Huh? huh right so like why are humans so terrified of the dark like i feel like everyone to a degree is scared of the dark like nothing is as comfortable when you're in the dark you're you're a little bit unsettled a little bit um but there was a really great article by cnn where they kind of describe like the psychological fear of black and why we're scared of the dark and so this one of the quotes, they said, fear is just like pain. 
fear is there to protect us from possible harm. This was from a professor, actually, from Ryerson University. Shout out, Ryerson. Um, wow, I guess, I guess you could leave Ryerson, but Ryerson never leaves you. <laughs> oh, it just keeps coming back somehow. Like, I didn't, didn't want to find this. Um, but basically, so okay, the point is that fear makes us more vigilant for possible danger, right? So, mm -hmm. and prehistorically, people would have been, like, more at risk of being attacked by predators or enemies in the dark. So, our fear of the dark is kind of like an evolutionary trait that we picked up to survive real-life predators stalking us in the night, like lions and shit, like, when, like, you know, our early ancestors like me before they yeah. discovered fire like they were really out here like trying to survive in the night like fucking oh lions and shit were coming and just like wanted to munch on some human you know <laughs> or any other like species that we don't know of yeah i'm just yeah i'm just using lions as like an example but you know i don't even think lions were a thing back then like i don't think they were what? like no i say like in the sense <laughs> I'm saying this that yeah, like, lions just didn't exist. No, 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 no. Like lions are part of the evolutionary. So I think like back then they weren't. <laughs> Wait, my mic is gonna fall. They, they were they weren't like a like a species yet. How can like, we look up when did <laughs> can we look up when did lions come into existence? I need to know this now. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Like, yeah, I feel like we're going to be super off track, yeah, if we were to do that. But that's what we okay. figure out. Okay, but like, no, but like, I I'm making a good point, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even remember what my point was now. <laughs> okay, anyways, anyways. We were hunted by animals that wanted to eat us. And that was mostly at night. So, okay. you know, back when we were just like, I mean, we still are, you know, evolution from monkeys, you know, chimpanzees, whatnot. Yeah. We were stalked in the night. And so it was, we were scared at night because, you know, we had to protect ourselves from becoming prey because mm -hmm. we weren't at the top of the food chain at that time. Right. So researchers basically hypothesized that this innate fear of the dark stems from a point in human history when we were nowhere near the top predators that we are today. So humans only really became super predators with like, you know, technology and that wasn't that long ago. So yeah, so this fear of the dark, you know, evolutionary fear. So it's just normal for us to be scared of the dark. And before tech, our ancestors were constantly like on the lookout. Um, like I said, they hunted at night. So that's one reason, but also through evolution um what am i saying in the dark yes i said this um okay one other quote from the article that they were saying in the dark our visual senses vanished and we weren't able to detect who or what was around us which was a big part of it so you know we rely on our visual system to help protect us from any harm so being scared of the dark is a prepared fear I definitely understand that because from someone that has like poor eyesight you know when I take out the minute I take off my contacts and contacts or whatever or my glasses and all that shit like 
I'm actually really scared if I'm walking by myself because, and I have poor visions. And, you know, my mind starts to hallucinate with things that are not there. I already do that with, you know, the help of glasses. But when, without it, it's actually so scary. And, like, yeah, I would, I would definitely be part of, I feel like, that percentage back then that would definitely be killed off due to the nature of my body in the sense that I just have poor eyesight. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, I'm definitely going to be scared and I'm going to definitely be killed off. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, when you can't really see what's around you, like, that's that's scary. Like, we rely on our vision for, like, it's one of our, I don't know, like, main senses that we use to, like, just fucking do shit, right? Mm -hmm. So that completely gets taken away from us. And then, you know, the dark or the shade of black, it's associated with the unknown um, because it prevents us from seeing distinct shapes and, like, potential threats. So, and that fear of the mm -hmm. unknown that's like that's a common fear everyone like you know we we like to know things like and so you know people are doing research to figure out like fucking aliens and what's in space and like we just have this like we want to know everything but we know nothing so yeah i think it comes back to also like that just fear of the unknown and when we're in the dark we don't know what's what's around us so um one other thing that they were saying was that, you know, how we see colors in nature has such an important effect on the human psyche. So, you know, from the beginning of the time, black is the color of night. And it's a color that, you know, could hide any nefarious deeds that might be, like, happening under the cover of darkness. So these are just, like, all reasons why, you know, we're terrified of the dark. Like, it's just, it's normal. Um, and for a lot of people, this fear can actually become a phobia to, like, the point where it's called um, nyctophobia. When it becomes, like, it starts to interfere with your life and your relationships. Like, you won't want to leave your house at night. Like, that's, that's, that's when it's become a phobia. Like, say oh, we're going shit. out. We're going out and I have to, like, go to the subway to meet uh -huh. you, right? But I have to do that on my own. Um... And I'm like, fuck, like, I don't want to go out. It's so dark outside. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them, though. Like, it is pretty scary. It's and terrifying. It's, like, not even, you know, set aside from, like, the monsters and all that shit as a joke. It's literally, that's when a lot of kidnappings and abductions and all those, like, criminal cases, like, Sometimes they just happen at night when you're walking by yourself and that's why people are always like, be careful, make sure you're always accompanied by someone. Or, you know, if you're a woman, you know, call someone on the phone. Like, that's still, in a way, a phobia that a lot of people have. Um, and I would say to a degree, like, I don't... Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, like, I don't think that I have that phobia, but it definitely is, like, scary walking at night by yourself. Like, you're going to take off your headphones... Mm -hmm. right because it's like i don't know like i can't already i can't really see perfectly so then if i'm like you know i can't hear that well either then that's two things so yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's scary and like you know yeah like you said danny like a lot of kidnappings and crime happen at night because no one's really around at night right like everyone's inside and so if you're out you never know like some creepy person can also be out like trying to get your ass exactly, so yeah 
Yeah, so that's kind of like explains our fear of the dark. And then from that, I was like, got, also got me thinking about another thing that, you know, at night that terrifies people or that people are scared of is the hour of 3 to 4 a.m. So I feel like you guys probably know about this. But, I mean, I feel like it's a known thing that, you know, 3 to 4 a.m. is, like, the time of, like, demonic shit. Mm-hmm. Right? So scary. So, Everybody's always, like, 3 a.m., witching hour, 3 a.m. Yeah, and exactly. Know, the know. witching hour, like, the devil's hour. Oh, so scary. There was a time in my life, actually, where the minute hit 3 a.m., I used to be scared. Like, and when I would stay up at night. I'll try to like watch a movie or something to get like past that hour. I don't know why it terrified me so much because of everything I've seen like in scary movies and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of references in the media too to to 3 a.m. Um, I think in The Conjuring and um, Exorcism of Emily Rose, there's references to 3 a.m. Where like when it hits 3 a.m., something weird goes down, and they make sure to emphasize that. Like that's when things start to go downhill mm. is at 3 a.m. Yeah, like, like I always hear people, I remember hearing people talk about, like, scary occurrences that happened or, like, at sleepovers, you know, it was, like, it was talked about, like, it was, like, oh, like, it was just a scary thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so in Western culture, 3 to 4 a.m. is the devil's hour or, like, the peak of paranormal activity but like why is that the devil's hour supposedly it's supposed to be mocking like a mocking inversion of the time that jesus was that jesus died so that was at 3 p.m so the inversion of that is 3 a.m so the phrase the witching hour began at least as early as 1775 in the poem night and ode um so, you know, it, it said its origins go further back to, like, 1535 in the Catholic Church. Um, but that at that time, like, they prohibited activities during 3 to 4 a.m. because they were scared of, like, uh, witches and, like, witchcraft in Europe. So that's kind of, like, origins of where it started. Oh, okay. Interesting. But, like, I guess for today, like, how does that term... How do we use that term... In conversation like what is it what is its collo- colloquial use so yeah. the term can be used to refer to any period of like bad luck or um when something bad is seen or like the likelihood of something bad occurring is like oh is it the devil's hour like you might you might say that or the witching hour you might say something like that mm-hmm um, also, fun fact, in investing, it's the last hour of stock trading uh, between 3 p.m. This is for, like, the U.S. bond market uh, when it closes and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but that's also a period of above out, above average volatility in the market, which is kind of interesting to know. It's just funny that it falls between that time. And then in folklore, the witching hour or the devil's hour is a time of night that is associated with supernatural events. So that's where you can like bring in witches, demons, ghosts, they're all thought to appear and be at their most powerful during that time. It's also related to sacrifices and rituals. Apparently, 
during Ooh. 3 to 4 p.m. is when you'll when the most um sacrifices or or rituals take place mm-hmm. and like that's when nobody's really watching nobody's watching because you know people are usually sleeping at that time um yeah. which is let's like makes them more powerful so then one other thing that was kind of interesting this is more like physiological i guess um, is that the witching hour may be connected to a human sleep cycle or your circadian rhythm. So the body is going through REM sleep at that time. Usually it's the deepest sleep where your heart rate is slower and your body temperature is reduced. So your breathing pattern um, and your blood pressure is irregular. And a sudden awakening from like the deepest sleep would obviously cause like fear and disorientation in like in anyone. Um, so... It said that, like, if by chance you were to wake up at 3 a.m. one day, you should just try to, like, go back to sleep and not really think about, like, yeah, like, don't, don't wait up and be, like, you know, like, what's going to happen? No, like, literally just, like, go back to sleep. (laughs) Like, don't think twice about it. Just go back to sleep. But wait, but if they say that, it just implies that something is going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It implies that something is to be feared of, and so, like, just avoid it, just sleep, sleep it off. Well, I guess you can, like, interpret that how you want, right? True, yeah. Like, because people say, like, just go back to sleep, like, that could mean, you know, like, you just woke up randomly, like, just literally just go back to sleep, or, like, if you're more maybe on the spiritual side and you do believe in, like, that demons, ghosts, whatever, paranormal stuff, then, you know, you could be like maybe something might be happening but you should ignore it and just try and fall back asleep um yeah so also during REM sleep which again usually occurs within the witching hour uh usually when people experience parasomnia so parasomnias are a category of sleep disorders that involve like abnormal movements behaviors emotions perceptions dreams um that happen like when you're falling asleep when you're sleeping or like between the sleep stages so that can be experienced uh that includes nightmares um night terrors sleepwalking and sleep paralysis so Mm -hmm. usually that happens during REM sleep which is the witching hour which is also really weird that that's just like that's usually when that would happen because sleep paralysis is scary as fuck and so the yeah. fact that that will usually happen during the witching hour of 3 a.m. because that's when REM sleep is typically, that's when you're going through REM sleep, um, it's kind of freaky. Like, what are the odds? Like, that's kind of weird. No, exactly. Right? That's why I think a lot of people have their suspicions that 3 a.m. does have some quote-unquote real meaning to it because of those things, right? And so we'll kind of talk more about sleep paralysis and shadow people. So um, in the past episodes, I think we kind of briefly talked about it. Um, But in this episode, we really went to go in depth about it Um, and to really understand the core of sleep paralysis and everything that comes with it. So for those of you that don't know, sleep paralysis is a feeling of being woken up in the middle of the night and thinking there's like this evil menacing presence in your bedroom with you however it's also the fact that you are paralyzed during the night um 
and so you can't move and you also feel all these like negative energies or you see stuff so about six to eight percent of people will experience sleep paralysis in their lifetime um and a lot of people are wondering is it is there science behind it or is it an actual paranormal phenomenon to it what does it mean you know how does it relate to us and usually it affects people who are under um, stress or depression and is more common for people in their 20s but this could happen to you at any time in your life Um, it could happen for only one night or it can happen for years for some for some people Um, so sleep paralysis is you know and the inability to move temporarily Um, and the reason why you have that is because it's um, you experience it to prevent you from acting out your dreams Um, so you know stuff like if you're running you know it's just to help that muscle control and stay in put that you're just sleeping so on top of that already people always also experience um, trouble having a lot of troubling hallucinations the cessation of suffocation or someone choking them and it's estimated that anywhere from 1.7% to 40% of people experience sleep paralysis but not everyone experiences a scary portion of it um, so there's only some people that really experience like the horrifying details of sleep paralysis and as earlier as just mentioned um, it is categorized as a type of parasomnia and you know it's just basically on the long list of um, abnormal behavior during your sleep cycle so now we see now we wonder um, what do we see during sleep paralysis right so um, or I guess we could say why does it exist and that's kind of like I said it's preventing us from you know um, from acting out our dreams however the way that it kind of contributes like how it com- comes about when we wake up is because sometimes we um, we become cautious in the middle of like our dreams and during that heavy um, REM sleep cycle that your body doesn't realize that it's still in that state so your mind is awake, but your body isn't. So that's why you start to experience that and all the hallucinations. Um, and then you may be wondering, what do we see during sleep paralysis? And a lot of it is um, what could be spirits, demons, shadow people. And that is pronounced, hopefully I don't butcher this, but it's pronounced hyponagenic or hypnopomic hallucination and it's defined as the perceiving the presence of an object or an event through any of your five senses such as sight, smell, taste, touch, or hearing without the actual object or event existing or occurring. And usually people wonder like what encourages sleep paralysis and it could be like I said stress, depression, anxiety, sleep deprivation, uh, PTSD, jet lag, heartburn, alcohol. Um, heard of, like alcohol before you go to sleep, um, it's just not the best idea. But obviously, like when you're drinking, usually it's at night. So, mm-hmm. it's kind what, of is there a, like a lot of is there like a lot of nightmares you can get from drinking alcohol? 
I have. I think it's just like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Some of my whiskey nights with the homies when playing poker and stuff like that usually end like with like really really vivid dreams and nightmares and stuff like that. I don't know if you've ever had those types of experiences. Because I I keep a dream diary, right? So like if something crazy is happening in my dreams, I usually write it all down. I have it jotted, have the story, and I date it and stuff like that. So I can kind of remember what was going on in those wild dreams. Because like sometimes I go through periods where I don't dream at all, where it's just black and white or whatever, and I just wake up the next morning. But then sometimes I have incredibly vivid dreams with very, very vivid imagery and stuff like that. And some of those nights have come after long nights of stress, long nights of drinking, or just really, really stimulating days. Yeah, I I can agree with the like, sometimes I'll go without dreaming anything. And then sometimes I'll just have like nights, like every night I have like a really vivid dream and it's usually like a, a nightmare. And it's terrifying and i'll and i'll remember like i still remember some of them but yeah yeah that's just interesting that like alcohol it can be something that encourages sleep paralysis yeah well isn't it um like a downer like a you know what i'm saying i just thought that um yeah like alcohol would give you bad sleep and like you couldn't really dream like if you're if you drink before bed I thought I remember reading that you would have like a harder time dreaming or having a dream if you if you did that. I, 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 can, un- like- I, can, I can understand that, but in practice, what I found is that often I end up drinking, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, now my brain is just hyperactive, at least in my sleep, right? Yeah. So, so there are, and then conversely, there are days where I will drink and I will sleep, and it feels like I close my eyes and just wake up. Right and like as if nothing has happened, so they work. They work both ways. So, people um, kind of help have techniques to help them prevent from having having sleep paralysis, um, and that's kind of like you know the normal things that you hear from like your doctor is having a healthy sleep schedule, improving your bedtime routine, avoid sleeping on your back, um, treat any other underlying conditions exercise regularly and use a lot of relaxation techniques and um i'll share more of this after but the times that i've had sleep paralysis um i think two of those times that happened to me when i was sleeping on my back and now to this day i actually really try to avoid sleeping on my back for that reason i try to sleep on my side or on you know my stomach or whatever it is and if i do sleep on my back then um, I always put like the sheets over my head or something because I still get scared. So now to I guess like a lot of the creepier things is what do we see during sleep paralysis? Before you start, that, and, can, I, can I, Danny? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So, have you ever been in an instance where you re- recognized while you were sleeping that you were entering sleep paralysis? Yes, and I refuse to open my eyes. So do you do you have like a routine in your head? that you, you go through in order for you to try to either circumvent the sleep paralysis or do you kind of just let it go its way with you? Like, just let it let it come and go. Like, mm-hmm. what is your process like for that? So because most people, from my understanding, including myself, have a process. Yeah. So for me, I 
eat. So I always keep my eyes closed at all times because I'm really scared of like, okay, if I open my eyes, what am I going to see? And so for me, it's like I always close my eyes if I know that like I'm in sleep paralysis in that moment and I'm cautious of it. Um, I always like start um, try to get regain cautiousness again in like my fingers or my toes. So mm. I start thinking, like, I start trying to send signals to, you know, those parts of my body. And I'm like, okay, just, like, you know, count how many, like, fingers you have. And slowly I can feel it slowly starting to move. Does it feel sluggish? Um, sluggish, yeah. It yeah. really feels like I'm trapped. It feels like you're walking through, like, honey or something. Like, something very yes. like You're not, you don't have full mobility at that time. It's weird. Exactly. And then um, either that will happen or... I would continue sleeping depending if I can tell if it's like the day, like the morning, mm -hmm. um, then I feel more comfortable to want to, you know, try to open my eyes or something or move around and then I can open. But if I can sense that it's still dark out and I can sense that because, you know, of just the people in my house, if they're awake or the TV's on, stuff like that, if I can still sense that it's dark out, I'll try to fall back asleep and i wouldn't even try to like wake up i'll just be like just just keep sleeping like just go back to sleep so that's so, what i've done so so my process because i've experienced it here and there when my sleep schedule got like really really messed up fairly recently and usually what i've noticed i don't know if you you can attest to this but if you have a split sleep schedule where you sleep four hours you're up for a couple hours and then you sleep another four hours I'm more yeah. susceptible to it. So that goes back to the thing you were saying about having poor sleep schedule or poor sleep regimen. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that used to happen to me is because my sleep schedule in high school was absolutely trashed is I would be up or I, I would sleep at like maybe 4 a.m. to get up at 6, do a whole day of school, get home 6 o'clock and sleep until 10. And that's when it got really, really bad. Um my process for recognizing it um, is very similar to the way that you, you recognize you're in a dream when you lucid dream, mm. which is um, you have habits that you pick up during your, your day, day, day to day, right? So like counting fingers is a habit you pick up or staring at a clock or um, saying a specific mantra or, speci or speaking to someone specifically in a specific way. And what I do when I recognize that I'm in a position of sleep paralysis is I catch my breathing. So I, I, I breathe in for, for uh, like I just do breathing techniques. So I breathe in for two, breathe in, breathe out for three, breathe in for four, breathe out for five, so on and so forth. And if I catch myself in a position where I know I'm in sleep paralysis, I will do that until I get full control over my body again. And then I hold my breath and shock myself awake. Because then your body's recognizing, oh, oh you I can't need to breathe. breathe. So then yeah. I end up awake and I'm, I'm sweating. It's like 4 a.m. and I'm freaking oh. out. Or even worse, like it's, it's like the middle of the day and you've been asleep for like 10 minutes, but you feel like you've just been struggling for the last hour. Yes. You know what oh. I'm saying? Because your, your perception of time, although your mind is awake, your body isn't, it feels like so much more time has gone by than it really has, right? There were periods <laughs> of time where I would take a 15-minute nap, but it would feel like, because the way I used to do it is I would have recurring nightmares in my bedroom and in my, my hallways yeah. where I'd be running down the hall trying to get away from something that was following me and the shadows were catching me 
And then once I got back into my room, my safe space, I would feel super sluggish and I would have to catch my breathing again. Mm-hmm. But then the cycle starts again where I end up at the other side of the hall and I'm being chased oh and I'm coming by. And then it would happen. I think the most it ever happened was six, which is a lot. <laughs> like six dreams? Like like six recurring levels of that same dream. Oh. And that was that was like a 45-minute nap that I took. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. So once later, because there's a million different things, as you mentioned, that can be contributing to sleep, sleep paralysis and that type of um, those experiences. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, I started facilitating better sleep habits, facilitating better me- mental health and eating and sleeping more healthily, um, they started to, to go away. Right. Um, but still to this day, even during the summer, I had a couple of stints where uh, I had to use my old tried and true methods of getting away from those recurring nightmares. Mm, That's terrifying. It's like you were just stuck in a nightmare and like it just kept looping. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's terrifying. Like what do you, yeah, like fuck. And, and like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like the first time you experienced it, you know, Danny, the first time you had sleep paralysis, did you know what was going on? No, I was 15, exactly. and I didn't know nothing about sleep paralysis at the time. It's like it's like the first time you get high or the first time you drink or smoke or do anything like that. You don't know what's going on with your body. You just know that something is slightly off, this isn't normal, and yeah. you don't know how to react to it either other than just to continue. So the first time I really experienced it, I thought I was floating. I thought I was being abducted by aliens. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well... I guess I guess is the the beginning of the end for me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um so I guess like different more. people will see the diff- will see different things during sleep paralysis. Yeah, and that's kind of what the difference between Tyler and I's experience which we can share later. But um those experiences actually fall under three categories. So it could be either the intruder hallucination which Tyler experienced or it could be the chest pressure hallucination or the incubus hallucination which is just suffocation or you could experience all three of them so in my case I've experienced all three of them and then also separately so people have also reported to normally seeing aliens the old hag, shadow people and more Um, famously the old hag is one of the most popular sightings, and it kind of started in Newfoundland, Canada. People traditionally call it old hag syndrome because it feels as though a witch-like creature is perched on the chest. So essentially it means like, yeah, someone's sitting on your chest and you can't breathe and like you can see this woman. So um, there's also like another culture um, tradition from Nigeria where they believe a demon woman pounces during your dreams and renders you motionless. In Japan, sleep paralysis is explained as a spirit seeking vengeance by suffocating you in your sleep. In Brazil, the culprit is a roof-dwelling crone named Pisadira who attacks those who sleep on their backs while their stomachs are full. And also there's a painting that comes from 1781 called the nightmare and it's by a swiss english artist named henry Folzai, and it's 
essentially it's a young woman um laying on the bed with like a little gremlin nasty creature crouching on her abdomen i don't know if you've ever seen the the painting before jess or tyler funny that you just said that because i'm remembering um a friend who was telling me about her sleep paralysis and what she saw and that's what she saw which i've never actually heard anybody mention before and she kind of described it as like like she looked down and it looked like baby voldemort was like next to her it was like this like deformed thing but yeah that's that's, that's weird where was that from where where was that one from it's from actually a painting where it's called um called a nightmare and the artist the artist's name is called henry fozili or fozli Okay. Might be Fuzili. Um, so there's like so many different cultural representations um, of sleep paralysis, but the same element that they all share together is fear at the end of the day, right? So the next so the next thing that we're gonna also talk about that's kind of similar to sleep paralysis is shadow people. And what we discovered is shadow people are also part of the sleep paralysis of things that we could see. In the dark, um, I've experienced it when I've have, you know, fallen asleep and whatnot. And essentially, shadow people are figures of shadows. They're not of our own, and many people have reported to see them. Um, they get scared by them and whatnot. And so there's a lot of theories to describe or figure out of what and who they are. And for the first theory is um, they're simply a figment of our imagination. A lot of skeptics skeptics and scientists explain the phenomenon as a symbol of the human imagination as her minds playing tricks on us and our eyes seeing things in a fraction of a second that aren't really there and so they're essentially illusions and real shadows caused by passing um auto headlights or some similar explanation and without a doubt these explanations probably can be in account for some of not many experiences right so then that's why i believe too sometimes um you know someone that is a true believer i usually take an account it could be just my mind haven't slept enough haven't eaten enough and i'll put it towards there however just be like you know the maybe like the lights from your pc could look like like demon eyes in the dark right like think things like that like you're easily like you can mistake that for something else exactly yeah so the second theory is now they're that they're ghost so many people argue that shadow people are different from ghosts as many like to say ghosts are almost always a misty white vapor like or have a human form an appearance in which we can often describe however shadow people have a human outline or shape the one detail most often noted in some shadow beings sightings are the glowing red eyes. So it's a theory that they're ghosts, but yeah, a lot of people are just like, well, sorry, sir. I've seen it in a lot of these shows and they're, they're all white. Like, you know, like those literally like little characters, like boo characters. They have a little cape on and stuff like that. People think like, no, that's a ghost or, you know, they can you can see the ghost people would say like oh i know that was the ghost of 
my grandpa or something because they saw yeah. them sitting or you hear in so many like sightings like oh it was a little boy that was running um you don't really hear that with shadow people if anything i feel like shadow people are are more scarier to be honest because we can't see um so that leads us to our third theory which is either demons or other spirit entities and so people think that they're malevolent beings and researchers are speculating that they may be demonic in nature and if they are demons we have to wonder what their purpose or intent is to letting themselves be seen in this manner and is it because they want to scare us because you know very interesting because a lot of people or not a lot of people but some people like more on the you know side of like they believe in the paranormal and ghosts and they'll they think that you know sleep paralysis when you kind of go into this other realm like of of like like a shadow world and that's where you see all these things and no one can like scientists still can't describe or have an explanation for dreams they can't they can't explain it they can't explain I mean, yes, they, they can't explain sleep paralysis. I think to they, a certain extent. Yeah. So it's kind of like we, there is no there is no answer. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's just like an interesting theory is that, you know, we go into this other realm where all these other beings exist and that's what we're seeing and we're seeing these terrifying things. And then again, on the science side, it could just be like, yeah, lack of sleep. You didn't eat. Um a combination of things right so yeah exactly and so people then also feel that they could be astral bodies so a theory suggesting that shadow people are the shadows of, or essence of people who are having out-of-body experiences and according to jerry gross um or gross he's an author and lecturer and teacher of astral travel um he believes that we're, we all travel out of our body when we sleep, and perhaps this theory says we're seeing other people's astral bodies and they're twilight travelers, essentially. Um, so that's why sometimes you might see them and you get scared, but they don't realize it. And have you ever heard of people saying that they're astral traveling? And they go and watch, you know, they go to the beach and stuff like that. And they don't really know or they're aware that this is the form that they're taking to witness all these things. And when I heard of that, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I haven't heard that one before. Um, so that one really caught me, I guess, off guard. That That is interesting. And I always remember wanting to try and astral project, astral project like out of my body. Just because, I don't know, it seems like it's kind of cool. I don't know if, the th- okay, I'm talking shit right now. Like, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if it's not. People talk about it. People say they've astral projected into, like, like you said, Danny, you're sleeping and you astral project into, like, a, on a beach, right? So I'm just like, what? You know what? Like, like, what? Because heard someone then come into your body and, like, take over your body while you're gone? right like you're out of your body you've left like what if someone else's astral body is there and then they come into your body and now they're take now they're in your body like where the fuck do you go like yeah now where the fuck do you go like i think this is 
I think this is where a lot of people are kind of like, or what I've um, seemed to read about people's experiences about astral projection is that it leaves room for things to follow you because you're not secure of your own home, aka your body. Yeah. Um, and we can see that like in movies like Insidious and it's like, I know it's just a movie. However, a lot of these times, these movies always have such a feel like deeper meaning and they tell you messages and Insidious like literally does a lot of like astral projection type themes and you know and people have said like yeah astral projected and you there's like rules to astral projection it's like don't go into mirrors don't go into places you know this and that and people have said that like apparently this is this is literally just like me being skeptical or you know whatever but apparently you can't go to places like area 51 when you're um astral projecting you can't go to celebrities houses you can't go to the white house you can't go there's so many things that you can't do or they prevent you from doing when you're astral projection and i think even in like what the cia or some sort what's i don't know what what type of government form they also FBI proved the fbi or whatever yeah they proved that astral projection was a thing apparently more research needs to be said about fact that. Check that we're talking here yeah you know, we need to fact check, check. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe next episode we'll talk about it or you know in the future episodes um that's kind of terrifying though another denny i think i told you to watch it but it was on netflix um it was called in in into her eyes or behind her eyes something i think it was called behind her eyes and that also has to do with astral projection and the ending is terrifying and and it's i feel like it also like you said insidious does it's kind of giving there's a deeper meaning and it's i think a little bit of a, a warning maybe to people who do practice astral projections like this is what could happen to you like this is it's scary you know it's not something that you just play around with it's not something you just like oh like i'm gonna astral project like no <laughs> no bitch like you're not just gonna astral project like that is terrifying why would you want to get yourself into that not knowing you know potential threats to exactly. yourself so Exactly. And all, all saying this as I'm not a believer, I'm just open to the idea. Um, yeah, but I think astral projection is such a scary, scary topic. Um, so it's kind of cool that that came up in this. 100%. Maybe like in future episodes, we could make a whole episode of astral projection because there's so much to say about it and so much research. Um, but yeah. So the next theory is they believe shadow people are time travelers. So essentially it could be, um, yeah, it's just exactly what it is. Shadow people are just in the same timeline as us, but they're just traveling from the future or the past or whatever. And that's just the form that they're taking. Uh, And they're just shadows, I guess. I don't know. So that's one theory, um, which is also quite possible and I think time traveling in a, on its own could be a whole topic um, I've seen some people talk about it you know um, 
and we'll never know because I guess you could say shadow people are part of like this astral realm and who's to say that time traveling isn't part of that astral realm as well and again that's just the, the body that they take on so another I guess that kind of leads into like interdimensional beings and um with like I guess the same thing as shadow people so a lot of so some or some theorists say that these dimensions dimensions exist parallel and very close to our own and although they're invisible to us um they're still there and is it possible they these shadow people have found a way to intrude on our dimension and you know they're just kind of coinciding with us um and they just like i guess you know appear our shadows and um, a lot of, you know, psychics and other people that are, like, clairvoyant and, you know, sensitive to those things, um, they believe that they can feel, like, the vibrations of these other entities and they can feel that's where they can sense of the, either if they're good or malevolent, and a lot of times they become malevolent to us. Um, and so I think that kind of takes into account as to how these shadow people and ghosts and aliens and demons all exist is because um, it's quite possible that they're just in another dimension or plane, I guess you could say. Um, again, which is a whole topic on its own and we could talk about it more in a different episode, but that's where a lot of people believe that these like paranormal phenomenons come from. And I guess even for me, to an extent, I believe in that theory a little bit um where there's different planes of realities or dimensions and yeah so i i i think to an to an extent they exist for sure um yeah, like who are we to say that you know only the only reality that exists is the one that we all see exactly you know, the, the one that is known to us so that would probably be very pretentious of us to think that. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. Um, so we're gonna talk about a little about aliens as well because they do kind of make an appearance to sleep paralysis. Um, so a lot of people actually experience alien abductions um, during their sleep paralysis, and which is which is actually quite interesting to me because I've personally never experienced the side of it. Um, and people think that the alien abductions and shot people are kind of the same, but are some other, some others argue that it's completely different. And so the people that have been abducted, so the abductees have reported in many cases that the aliens, um, seem to be able to pass through walls and close windows and to appear and disappear abruptly among other otherworldly talents and perhaps too they can go about their alien agenda disguised in their shadows hence shadow people so there's a good deal of overlapping among the above ideas of course aliens and ghosts could be interdimensional beings or aliens could be time travelers and some believe demons are responsible for all these of for all of these disturbing phenomenons but at the end of the day we would never know because everything is simply just a mystery and there's no way to prove or disprove any theories 
about the phenomenons that go out during the night. Um, so, so yeah, and science finds it virtually impossible to catalog or study um, these phenomenons, I guess you could say, because at the end of the day, they're all just theories or the best guesses, educated guesses we can make about it, about what all these things mean, right? Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we'll never know. And it could be simply just hallucinations or it could be a whole doorway to another interdimensional plane, I guess you could say at the end of the day. Also, so one thing too, I wanted to know, like, kind of like going after we went over all of this was, which Danny, you kind of talked about a little bit, but you know, what can you do about sleep paralysis? If anyone listening is, you know, you struggle with sleep paralysis, Danny kind of gave, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, tips uh, to try and avoid going going through that. And, you know, like what Tyler, both Tyler and Danny kind of describe what they do when they realize that that is starting to happen. But I think one thing that we miss and that I also saw during like when I was researching this was that, um, and Tyler, you mentioned that you experienced when you would take naps. So one thing that I, I noticed was that they said nappers seem to be more prone to sleep paralysis than non-nappers. So this yeah. is unless, you know, like, if you're napping at the same time every day, then maybe not. But if you just take random naps, um, that also might be what is causing or making you more prone to sleep paralysis. So that's also just, like, another tip. You know, make sure that you have a regular sleep schedule. If you're napping, like, you know, nap at the same time uh, and just try to get as much sleep as possible. Because um, if you're sleep-deprived, sleep you enter REM very quickly which means, yeah, you're you're still awake, um, but your body is getting paralyzed. So with that, if, you know, this is something that's been happening for a while, it could, it could just be a sleep. It is a sleep disorder. So, you know, you should go to a specialist and, and, and talk about it. You know, it could be from like stress, anxiety, but, you know, it, it would be good to like seek some sort of professional advice. Which no, I mean, no. it's probably self-explanatory, but you know, if you're thinking like this is, you know, something you can solve on your, by yourself and, you know, things you've been trying aren't working, it's definitely something to go see a professional about because it, I've never experienced it, but it sounds terrifying and I wouldn't want to go through that. Like every time I'm going to sleep, having the fear of going into that like state of unrest like that just sounds not fun no you become you become you become scared to sleep which is you know like if if you're already insomniac adding the level of fear into it only makes the process so much worse because you know sleep is such an important part of our day-to-days as human beings because it's our rest time it's our rest period literally is what gives us energy right we need sleep we need it sleep is so important yeah, you'll you'll die of sleep deprivation before you die of like hunger or dehydration and stuff like that. So, it just speaks to the idea that it's a very very important part of our day to day, and it's one of those things. Being scared of sleep becomes this, um, one of those terrifying human conditions. You know what I'm saying? One other thing I also will recommend, since we're on the topic of of sleep, is there's another podcast. I think it was Lex Friedman or. 
um i think it might have been also the huberman podcast but they talk about sleep and how important sleep is and getting that eight hours of sleep seven hours of sleep and how you know you are so much more productive you're happier you feel a lot better you live longer if you don't sleep well like that is they have they've done studies and you know people like that literally causes issues in in your life like you don't live as long it's not good for you um so you know those out there who are just like oh yeah like i got four hours of sleep last night like you know my schedule is so fucked up like it's not funny like if you care about yourself please i when i listen to that podcast that's what also kind of made me want to have a better sleep schedule and then you just notice how much it impacts you like day to day um yeah that's my one piece of advice too that all 100% and I think even the times I've been like super stressed out as well or have like high peaks of anxiety um I find that's when I've also gone through a lot of sleep paralysis like and I guess this portion of the podcast is where I can like share a little bit of my experience before um we end and a time where I experienced like the first time I experience like sleep paralysis um i think it was just about a couple maybe about a year or two after my parents divorced so i was about 14 15 really stressed out with the idea of like moving and you know uh changes in my environment and family and such right and also it was also the first year of high school for me so that to a 15 year old is kind of a major change as well i was on top of everything so um at the time i was sharing a room with my brother and essentially i woke up and i already felt something like you know push on my back i was sleeping on my back at the time and I was, something felt like pushing on, on my stomach or you know on my back and i couldn't breathe and everything and i remember looking um because my face was towards the wall and I could see everything um and I saw this woman like walking back and forth but only like the feet of her legs so I was like what's going on and then I could see her she stops in the corner of the room and I was like oh my gosh and I remember feeling like I'm gonna die because every single time like you know my breathing kept feeling like stuck and I was like wheezing and I truthfully thought I was gonna die and I sort of got I'll never forget this moment because I think this probably has been the scariest time I've encountered sleep paralysis because of the fact that I didn't know what it was um well all those times after I was like okay I know what this is immediately you know like I'm not I'm scared but not as scared as I was the first time and I remember like praying and I haven't prayed in like years and I was like oh my god like god like if I'm gonna die like just take me right now like I don't care compassion is happening to you and you're just like hey <laughs> Jesus I know it's been a while <laughs> literally I swear to god it was like that where I was just like I couldn't even do the sign of the cross and make a low and then I was just like crying and I was trying to like scream out for my brother's name and everything and he was sleeping and I realized like oh my gosh nothing is coming out of my mouth like my vocal cords are like busted or something like something fucked up is happening and I remember I just shut my eyes closed 
and I was just like praying and praying and praying and then I was like okay let me try to move my body and that's when I like figured out okay like move my toes and then slowly slowly work yourself up like first my toes and then my ankles and then my calves and then my legs and then everything else and eventually that went away but I remember holding on and my holy shit like I really thought I was gonna die and it was so scary and other times where I experienced paralysis where I remember seeing like a woman stare at me like head down um like her hair was like covering my face and stuff like that and I was like who is that that time and I realized like oh shit it's not someone I know and it's a sleep paralysis and then another time has been um where actually this probably has been my least scary one I was sleeping and I felt a black cat I knew it was black because I could see the tail on the side of my face, but I didn't want to like completely look. Um, and I could feel the cat like, like walking and like its tail like on my face. But what's crazy is that I never owned a cat. And it's not like I was sleeping at someone's house where they had a fucking cat. I know how a cat feels because all oh, my friends have cats. And I was like, what the fuck? is happening and I was just like closing my eyes and I'm like it's okay like it's just a cat it's just a cat and I could feel like the cat like literally like right beside my head like its tail like just like like swishing mine uh face and stuff like that and I just fell back asleep and I think those are the only times I encountered sleep paralysis um or there has been a few other times but like I woke like I fell asleep before I can open my eyes. And I think the only time related, but I don't know, unrelated, I guess, Amber something also like slapped me in my face one time. I remember you texted me and you were like, something slapped me in my, I, I remember you texting me that. Yeah, so I don't know if that is itself is sleep paralysis to be honest, cause it happened, yeah, when I was sleeping but it could be any of the theories that I brought up. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I had no idea what it was. Cause something like it, like it didn't hurt, but I could feel it on my face and it was loud. So like the force wasn't there, but I felt it enough to like wake me up. And yeah, and I was like, what the hell? Like, why did something slap me? And I remember like, is something, is someone trying to tell me something? Like. Is, you know, my oven on? Is my dog crying? Or I don't know, but I don't really remember that day. And the only reason why I brought it up is because two weeks ago, my friend had, my other friend had brought it up to me. And I was like, I literally forgot about that because I blocked it out of my brain. Because I just, that, that moment was so scary for me. So... Those are my experiences with sleep paralysis. And if anybody um, that is right now listening, and if you, if you have experiences, let us know. Um, you can like leave a comment on one of our Instagram pages and share if you like. Um, I love to hear about your stories. Or you could DM me or Jess um, for your stories. And we could even read them on the next few episodes if, you know, they're really fucking scary so 
So yeah. Yeah, um, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm not sure if you had anything like maybe a scary experience that you could share with us. Um I think I think maybe not necessarily scary but an instance that was definitely a unique unique one was i had just gotten hired up at canadian tire for um a new job and i was swapping swapping jobs swapping in and out of like um school school things were going on so it was a very stressful and ambivalent time for me it wasn't really like super easy for me to handle everything that was going on and as a result like my sleep schedule had gotten absolutely demolished because I was I was up late working on a project or something. And one of my first days at, at, on the job, new experience, new managers, new people, I was very stressed. And what happened was I had to do a bunch of modules, if you know what I'm saying. If, you, if you've ever gotten a new retail job or something like that, they are like, you have to do the, the women's modules or like if you're a supervisor, you have to do supervisor modules. And it's just, it's just like an hour and a half, two hours of just the most monotonous stuff that you ever have to do. You're just clicking through just to make sure that, you know, yes, you know that you probably shouldn't be doing drugs on the job. Stupid shit like that. Yeah. While I was doing the modules, I nodded off because I had maybe like an hour and a half, two hours of sleep the day before. And it was like 8 a.m., and I had the scary, physically the scariest um, experience with sleep paralysis because I wasn't in the comfort of my own bed. I was at work. <laughs> oh my god! So okay, my, that's actually kind of crazy. I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair and I'm fully aware. Oh, a lot uh, of sleep, like not yeah, <laughs> just like I am. Just I'm sitting in the chair. It's not a comfortable chair. I feel my neck is stuck like this. And I can't move it. And I feel the presence of other people staring at me, even though I know I was in a room by myself. But I felt like there were people watching. And I felt like there was something next to me that was just, like, weighing down on my shoulders. And I had to do... I took every ounce of strength in my body to get out of... To, to, to get out of this sleep paralysis. Because I just physically felt like I was gonna... I was going to die. And then if someone caught me, I was going to get more in trouble and get fired on my first day for falling asleep on the job doing your modules, right? Respectfully, my entire job was moving boxes and telling people, oh, lawnmowers are in aisle 50. That's it. That's that's my entire responsibility there. Like, I didn't need to do modules. I didn't feel like it was necessary. But sitting there in that a brand new place, new people, being super stressed out and being completely out of control of your own body and mind is a terrifying, terrifying experience. And I would not wish that upon anyone, even my worst enemy, because it is just so uncomfortable. I feel different. I actually wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> I guess we just build different. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I'm just joking. Is she, though? Is, am I? There's only one way to find out. I feel very lucky to have never experienced that and it's mm -hmm. kind of funny because there were moments in my life obviously everybody has these moments where like you are going through high stress and like you said like new changes and like yeah you know you're feeling a lot of anxiety and also between the ages of 18 to 25 is where you're most prone to suffer from 
um, like bouts of depression and just feel, you know, really down. And that's also so like, I feel like between those ages, like you, we mentioned before, that's when you could maybe fall victim to sleep paralysis or more likely to. doesn't mean that that's when it would happen, but yeah. it could happen at any age, but that might be, yeah, like I said, it's more likely to happen between those ages. Um, but it's never happened to me, so I feel really happy because you guys both described us feeling like dying, and I yep. definitely, I mean, I've had nightmares where I think the nightmare is real and I wake up like, like gasping for air because because it felt so real and it was so scary and I, and I, it takes me a few seconds when I wake up to realize that it's not real but obviously that's all completely different from what you guys are going through so no yeah just yeah it's actually so scary but I think I feel now- I feel happy though because I know now hearing from you guys I know about it so if it ever were to happen to me even though it would be like a first time I know how to deal with it and hopefully for anyone listening to this if you've never experienced sleep paralysis but one day you do you kind of know what to what to do in that situation um try and move your fingers and toes <laughs> and hopefully, that's... hopefully it does help someone from listening to this podcast so Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. You can follow us in our social media channels at Scaretopless, which is where we constantly post on new updates and content of all things spooky, paranormal, and true crime. This is your host, Daniela. And Jess. And we're signing off, and we'll see you next next time. time. (laughs) Happy spooky month.